You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And welcome back, folks, to another edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider. Twice in one week, right? You know, as we get to the thick of the season, uh, the the episodes can kind of pick up, and we were pleased to know that we're going to have Hunter Dickinson as a guest on this week's episode, so that was all the more reason to do another as the Wolverines are riding a three-game win streak into Saturday's matchup with Indiana. Joining me as he does every single episode to break down the maize and blue is my buddy, my partner, my big fella, who was Michigan's big fella in the early 80s at a high level before being a first-round draft pick and playing in the NBA for 10 years. Now he's one of the best color commentators in the land, college or pro basketball i'm talking about none other than timmy mack tim mccormick tim how you doing i'm happier this week than last (laughs) week Uh, i i really enjoyed uh nebraska like 93 points in a big 10 game um six and double figures look i know the huskers are not very good and they struggle on the road and they've got like a bunch of guys that are more mid-major than big 10 but it's still impressive to shoot nearly 60% and make about half of your threes. Um, once again, I know they're not good, but tell that to BC. You know, they beat Florida State. They beat Creighton. They knocked off Ohio State and Iowa and Penn State. So, you know, you, you can't just totally dismiss it and say it's not a good win because they beat some people. And, and I do think that Michigan's getting better. They still have some concerns, but but for the most part, you know, they're playing good ball. They've got three straight wins, and I can see them as a happy team right now. Yeah, so a couple of things. First of all, I don't care if Nebraska hadn't won a game. Michigan, no, no game is a gimme for this team. I, I said that last week. Uh, you can't chalk it up just because they're low in the standings that Michigan is going to go out there and play well, but they were coming off of – Two, I thought, really, really solid efforts on both ends of the floor. Was really pleased with the defensive performance against against Northwestern. Uh, they backed that up with another strong defensive performance against Ohio State. That wasn't as present uh, in this game against Nebraska, but it was a high-scoring affair, and Michigan really uh, got off on fire. Nebraska thinking they can play zone against them, and I would think that would be a sound strategy, but Michigan did a great job of finding the bottom of the net multiple guys from from outside in this game, Tim, where they just I think it was 14 threes, uh, which was, you know, a high for the season. Jet doing his thing. And a guy you've been talking a lot about, I mean, Joey Baker. He shoots I think maybe it was his last three or a second to last three. He shoots it. He's running back down the floor before it goes uh through the net, knowing that it was in. It was good to see the guy shoot the ball so well. Yeah, you mentioned Jet. Um, Jet may be the best shooter in the Big Ten. I, I know Andrew Funk might be on that list. Seth Lundy, um, Purdue's freshman guards are, are pretty pretty amazing. But Jet, his shot is so repeatable and beautiful. Um, the sprained ankle, we dodged a bullet on that one uh-huh. because he, I think it was just the Purdue game, which maybe you don't win anyway. But um, the draft boards have Jet up at number 12. Now. <laughs> that, that's a little bit scary. But I'm going to tell you right now, I think he's going to come back um, because I think that his dad knows the deal. 
and and to to go into the NBA as an All American is is really impressive and very important. Um, okay. I also think that you mentioned Joey Baker. Joey Baker sees the the finish line of his career, and and he's playing very hard, and he's playing strong, and I could see him grabbing more and more minutes at that four spot. Um, T. Will was really good, but I, I think Joey Baker offers something that this team needs, and that's that reliable perimeter jump shooter. He, he just creates so much space when he's out there. And when I when I watched down the stretch, I kept going back to something that Juwan always talks about, get 1% better every day. And and over the last three games, Michigan has done that. Yeah, um, yeah. I agree with you on Jet. Terrific shooter. I hope you're right about him coming back. I mean, that would be tremendous. Uh, I don't know how much Hunter will talk about it, but certainly got to wonder where he is thought process-wise. Has to be in the back of his mind um, about the, the future. You know he's not thinking about a game to game, but what happens with Jet, I imagine, might might play into that a little bit in addition to what scouts are having or saying and, and, and how he's doing on the floor. I mean, Jet comes back another year. That kind of thing can be infectious. I know talking to some of the football guys, they were asking one another, what are you going to do? So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But, again, getting into uh, kind of the takeaways from this game, you look at Hunter's assist numbers and they're down this year, but I don't think he's finding guys less. I think they aren't making the open looks as much. And it's, it's problematic. And I imagine Tim is, is probably frustrating that when he he finds a guy open on the perimeter and they just don't – they don't not – either they aren't getting open, they're doing a better job of getting open now, or when he does, they do get open and he finds and they aren't knocking it down. In this game, whether it was, you know, all the zone they were trying to play and knocking down open looks, or when they were found by teammates, guys made open shots. Now, they aren't necessarily going to make them at that clip all the time, but that was maybe my most positive takeaway from this game is guys knocked down their open looks. Yeah, it was um, it was really impressive. And and it's not just a fluky occurrence that their threes started going in. I think it's part of their starting to understand the game is slowing down. Remember, Michigan is is really young. They had 10 guys that are in new roles this year. And and I and I I specifically think about the most important positions on the court, and that's point guard and shooting guard. Kobe's never been in this role. Mm-hmm. You know, Doug is brand new to college, and and all of a sudden, they're starting to make more plays. They they shoot at the right times, um, but I also think that the post entries have been a lot better. Hunter's getting the ball where he can do some things, and and I've said this throughout the year. There's nobody in college basketball, and I would include Zach Eady on the list, that gets doubled more than Hunter Dickinson. He's seen every defense that's out there, and and I think he's improved his passing so much. As a matter of fact, I think that the two areas he's improved the most are in his screen game. When's the last time you saw him get a stupid foul yeah. because he moves on a screen? He, yeah. he locks in, and then his passing is really good. He started out the game with just some laser passes. He looked like Patrick Mahomes, you know, just firing the ball cross court to jet on the first play of the game, wide open shot. And by that pass being so good, it gives jet an extra full second to be able to gather himself, get a good look. 
that that was really impressive to me, Sam. Yeah, that's what I want to see. Uh, you know, I, I understand, especially after the Penn State game. Uh, you know, folks got got really down, uh, really frustrated with the team, thinking that that's pretty much it. And and I get it. I mean, it it did feel a pretty final. But there, if you have more games, you have more, especially with with the Big Ten. Uh, being what it is with so many teams being considered uh, tournament teams right now, there is opportunity, and they are they are making the most of those opportunities so far, and we're seeing progress, like you said. Post-entry has gotten better. Hunter, pace, and, and how he plays or reacts to double teams or anticipates them, better, right? Knocking down open looks, better. Something that I've been harping on here of late. Communication on defense, better. Now, again, Kind of a lapse against Nebraska. Tommy Naga was getting to the bucket a little too. He's had a little too much offensive success for my liking. But, hey, I'm not going to make perfect be the enemy of the good. Just here in the recent span, we've seen them get better defensively too. Again, not saying they're stalwarts. Just better than they were, which was not very good. Sets up for... Another opportunity, the biggest opportunity uh, here recently uh, that they can, I think, win against the Indiana team that was in much the same place maybe a month or two ago, Tim. There are a lot of people talking about Indiana with a three-game losing streak and, you know, what's up with their with this team and Trace Jackson Davis is overrated and Mike Woodson isn't doing a good job. And then all they've done since then is become one of the hottest teams in the conference and is on everyone, everyone's field. They're top 20 team now uh, down there at Bloomington. I think that Indiana is beatable. Uh, Purdue's running away with the Big Ten. To me, Indiana's number two. They've won seven of eight. And Trace Jackson Davis has been the Big Ten's second best player. Um, but I do like the matchup for Michigan. When you think about it, I, I, I like the fact that, that Michigan is at home and you've got your guys playing at a really high level. Um, and then there, there are certain things that are good matchups for Michigan. Um, I always thought that Xavier Johnson was a really important key for their young guards. Um, I'm not sure if he's coming back. He's getting close. But, but Hood Shafino is a pro. And he's the closest thing at his position to Jet Howard. He just, he's a thoroughbred out there. He moves like an NBA player. He's a lottery pick. And, and, and I think that, that um, he's playing the best ball of his career. So game key number one, Doug or, or Kobe, it's probably going to be Kobe because he's bigger. Gotta believe uh, he's so. got to be able to get in a stance and just stay in front of him. No, no blow buys. No, no big mistakes in the screen game. You've got to know exactly what you're doing, and he's got to get good help. Um, also, with Trace Jackson Davis, if you look at his numbers, like any other year, he's the player of the year. He's scoring 20 a game. He's a great rebounder. He's 50% from the field. He, he's even top five in assists as a center. And, and so Hunter can play him straight up but he's got to stay out of foul trouble. He cannot get a bad foul. And, and I think that, you know, if I was talking to Hunter offline, I would say, look, whatever you do, get to the first TV timeout, zero fouls. You, you'll need them later, but don't get an early foul. And if he does that, 
I think that Hunter can really cover TJJD very well. Yeah, and so I look back to last year. You remember, I mean, Michigan, Michigan in the in the regular season. Hunter, I thought thoroughly outplayed uh, Trace Jackson Davis. I mean, they they just he was hitting his threes. Um, you know, I, I got to pull up the stats, but I just remember it being a really really uh, efficient game and one where I thought he was. It wasn't even close, the matchup. And then the, mm-hmm. the the game that they saw them in the Big Ten tournament, the first half it was looking like they were picking up right where they left off. And then Trace Jackson Davis in the second half, just it, he became like a man possessed. I got to give that dude a ton of credit, Tim, because I think that he, more than just with his play, is largely responsible for them getting out of the, the tailspin it looked like they were heading into calling his teammates out, saying we are not following the instruction from the coaching staff. We got to be better. We got to be more attentive defensively, going out there, doing it with his play and with his voice. I mean, he's uh, he's showing himself to be a bit tougher than uh, than I gave him credit for. And, yet, I'm like you. I like this matchup. I mean, if you're Michigan, don't you, don't you go mano a mano with Hunter? I, I feel like his length could be taxing and then the fact that hey man tjd's got to defend him on the other end of the floor and not just in the post and i just put it up hunter was three for four from three in that first matchup uh, and they won by double digits that was a big part of the game uh that winning that game too yeah i went down to watch michigan football in bloomington this fall and i went and spent time with my my friend mike woodson former teammate and i watched them practice and He's a really good coach, and he's going to have them ready. I mean, they spent 20 minutes just on angles that you set your screens in the pick-and-roll game. Um, he's seen a lot. He played for Bobby Knight. He's, he was on a lot of NBA teams. His attention to detail is fabulous. And and he's got these young guards, and he's bringing them along slowly, but they're ready to go. Um Chrysler is going to be the loudest that we've seen it this year. It, it's going to be – there's a lot at stake, and, and they're going to they're gonna be totally in tune. I think it's going to be really hard for those young Indiana guards to play their best ball. Trace Jackson Davis will, um, but he's got to get to the rim, right? He's not a guy that's going to shoot over the top. He's not going to make perimeter jump shots. So if Michigan's perimeter defense is really good, I think they're going to be fine. And I would tell Hunter, if, if they're driving and your, your defensive guys have breakdowns, let them go. You know, don't <laughs> don't go get dunked on. Don't get a foul. Don't let them lob to Trace Jackson Davis. Like, like make sure your guards are in a stance and they're playing the way they need to play. Yeah. Yeah. I like the matchup too. I like how, how Kobe has really accepted the challenge of defending the other team's uh, you know, best guard or wing player. Uh he's I think he's acquitted himself well. Not I mean, he hasn't been you know, lockdown defender, and this team is far from, as I've been saying, a defensive star. I feel like i got to qualify every time I talk about Michigan on, on the defensive end of the floor. But I like the progress that we've seen from him individually along those lines, doing it on both ends, and he's going against a freshman. Uh, I like the TJD versus Hunter matchup too. Man, I'm I'm kind of feeling optimistic about this, this game as well, Tim, which kind of leads us into a, a broader Big Ten picture. 
I always like before the end of the season kind of getting your picks, your view of your all Big Ten team. I kind of have an idea of where you're going to start this team, uh, Tim. But if we had to ask you today, Tim McCormick's all Big Ten team, who would those players be? At this point in the season, it's it's usually pretty difficult. Like how much do you weigh first place, second place, third place versus points, rebounds, assists? And surprisingly to me, it's a really obvious pick this year. I think that Zach Eady is is first team, definitely Big Ten player of the year, maybe national player of the year. Um, and I think he probably comes back again next year. Um, Trace Jackson Davis, the numbers are just astonishing. Uh, across the board, he has very, very few flaws. He's got to be on the list, especially because of his assists and his super high field goal percentage, which I didn't realize they were that high. Um, and then Hunter Dickinson is there for sure. Okay. The, the fact that 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 he has been so poised, he's grown, he he. Without him, Michigan doesn't win any games. Like they just they get clubbed throughout the Big Ten. Without him, they're Minnesota. Um, Chris Murray from Iowa. Absolutely. I didn't expect him to be as good as his brother Keegan. He is. He's just a beautiful shooter. He's versatile and he's consistent. And last is Jalen Pickett. I'm right from there Penn with you. State. Yep. Right yeah. there. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the numbers. He's top 10 in scoring. He's top 10 in rebounding. He's top 10 in field goal percentage. And he leads the conference in assists. Yeah. Um, so those are my five guys. Sam, exact am I missing five. anybody? No, exact, exact same five. I was wondering if you were going to pick Jalen Pickett. I'm right there with you. Uh, me, that just how he's doing, what he's doing inside now, and, and also getting teammates involved. Uh, yeah, leading the league in assists. I was surprised when I saw that stat. Uh, and it's a you know, it's a, a a fair margin. He's averaging seven assists per game. AJ AJ Hogard is is next on the list at five point eight. So, I mean, he is comfortably ahead in the assist category. In addition to everything that he's doing, scoring wise, for Mike Shrewsbury over there uh, at 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 Penn State. So I'm right there with you, Tim. Um, man, hey, Sam. go ahead. Can we talk to Hunter? Yeah. Can we talk to Hunter Dickinson? Yeah, I want to talk to Hunter, too. I was about to say, yeah, I want to get over to talk to Hunter. As we do, kind of preface that conversation, Tim, you said you think Jet's going to come back. I mean, we're going to talk to Hunter uh, about what his thought process is, but I'm I'm just curious your thoughts before we do. I mean, what do you think? What, What do you think about the odds? I won't even ask you to predict whether he will or won't. But do you feel like the odds are better now of his, his return? And what do you think? I mean, if you were him, what would be the factors that you would be considering uh, when it comes to whether to go or stay? Okay. It, if it was me and, and you're talking to a lifelong Michigan Wolverine, I if I was Hunter, I would say I want to get my jersey up in the rafters. I, I want to be an all-time great. I want to be a legend. And he's got that chance. It, he could come back for two more years. I don't think that's going to happen. But I would, I would chase Glenn Rice's scoring record. I'd want to be in the rafters. I would want to win a Big Ten title. And next year, if Jet returns with some of the losses, look, Purdue's not going to go anywhere. But if Jet and Hunter come back, 
I, I think Michigan could could win a Big Ten. Yeah, and and the thing about it, NIL for him, and you know, this is what I expect from him. He's always he's an open book. He's going to tell you what he thinks. If he thinks NIL isn't isn't working as well as it should be, he will tell you. But I know he's NIL thing is working better for him now than it was, and it. I wonder how much that'll play into the thought process as well. What you can make NIL wise versus what you might make if you got to spend time in the G League or or go overseas, which is probably if it's NBA, probably would have to spend time uh, in the G League. So, yeah, going to be a great conversation with Hunter. Looking forward to it. We'll take a pause right here. When we come back on the other side, be joined by the big fella himself, Hunter Dickinson. Stay tuned for that here on the Michigan Basketball Insider. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we are back, folks. Another edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider special guest. I think we may be as player guests go, Tim McCormick. I think this is our most frequent guest. We've had him on several times over the years. Always a fantastic conversation. With the man himself, Hunter Dickinson. Hunt, thanks for joining us again, man. How you doing? Good. Thank you for having me, Sam. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Glad you could join us. So, you know how we always do, Tim. I, I feed it to my big fella and let him get us, <laughs> let you get us started. So, so Tim, get us started with Hunter. I'm lucky because a lot of times, Hunter, you can relate. The, the little guys don't want to feed the big guys, do <laughs> for they? Sure. they? For sure. Yeah, they want to shoot. <laughs> Um, Hunter, what, yeah, we've got to get you a trophy for being on our podcast so much too. Um, thanks for joining us and, and congrats on just a, a fantastic career. Uh, I love watching post play and you are one of the best I've ever seen at Michigan. So, um, I just thank you for all the hours of enjoyment I've had watching you play. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So I, I want to know first and foremost, uh, are you enjoying your career? Like, I, it, it's got to be hard getting double and triple teamed, and you just want to catch and drop step and dunk on people. Is this fun for you to, to play this, this style of basketball? Uh, it, it has been frustrating. Um, like you said, getting double teamed, you know, virtually every, every play of every game. Um, it has been a little frustrating for me. It's something that I've had to get used to. Um, usually in my career, you know, teams would double team me and, you know, I'd pass it out a couple of times. My guys would hit a couple of threes, and usually, you know, they would they would get away from that. But this year, teams have been really persistent on that, and so that's something that you know, I've really just had to adjust to. Something I've I've had to adapt to, and so I know 
that's just going to be the best way for my team to win is just trying to pass out the double team and give my uh, teammates the opportunity to, you know, kind of beat, you know, teams with shooting and driving and, you know, hopefully just try to make my moves a little bit quicker than normal. That's something that, you know, I've uh, worked on a lot recently. Against Nebraska, you played 27 minutes and only had seven shots because every time you touched it, they doubled you. Your, your passing has really been exceptional this year. I'm just curious, which team does the best job of doubling you? And, like, who's the team that you just wouldn't want to play against? And maybe it's Zach Eady because he's tough to play against, but at least you get single coverage. Um, who's the team that's hardest for you to play against? That's a great question. Um uh i would i mean northwestern did a really good job of double teaming me um you know because they i think the way they came after me um was really effective adige did a really good job of kind of reading my eyes and seeing where i was going with the ball so i spent a lot of time trying to not lock in on just one um you know guy on the wing i tried to you know mix it up and really read the defense and you know i tried to you know the best thing that came out of this was I think I read the floor a lot better than normal I mean that than I usually used to um I think um you know everybody said I used to have good passing but I think um I used to lock on to guys and you know kind of anticipate my passes before I did them now I think I really scan the floor and kind of make the best decision uh before I throw the ball you know I I take a lot of knowledge from from Tim especially uh, I mean, on basketball in general for big man play specifically and uh, I want to say about a month ago he said you know wait there double team a hunter he's gonna have to make quicker decisions whether that's getting into your move quicker or you know figuring out I gotta pass it quicker so is, is pace pace of decision making has that been a thing for you are you doing things quicker and sort of in anticipation of the double team yeah I mean it you definitely want to go quicker, but then you got to try to find that balance of not going too quick to where you're rushing. Cause that's what teams are, you know, essentially trying to get you to do is, you know, rush and kind of play a little bit faster than you're normally doing. Uh, so I think it's a balance, but for sure trying to move, like you're trying to go a little bit quicker, not really take your time as, as much as you're used to. So just trying to go a little bit quicker on your moves and you know, on your passes, trying not to rush too much, but yeah, get it out pretty quick and, you know, let your teammates do the job. So the other part, at least the part that I noticed, was you're, you're quarterbacking a lot more. Yeah, I mean, we say you throw it in and you're, you're being a quarterback, but no, you're actually directing traffic, telling guys to cut, you know, making sure guys are getting into your line of sight on, on the perimeter. Was that an adjustment on, on the fly, or is that something that you kind of worked on in the offseason? How did that part of your game evolve? Yeah, I think that was something that, you know, just over time seeing, um, you know, the team and team dynamic, uh, some guys aren't used to, you know, having a post player. And so I really had to kind of, you know, help out the younger guys with, you know, when they put throw it in, cut, you know, either baseline or middle. Um, you know, we have certain, uh, I guess, actions for different um, post entries. And so just trying to get the guys, trying to remind them because, you know, sometimes – you know, in, back in high school or AU, they throw it into the post and kind of just stand and, you know, let stuff happen. So um, just kind of trying to help coach the guys and, you know, remind them as much as I can. You know, Sam, actually, um, after our podcast, Hunter takes it in and says, listen, coach, you know, Sam and Tim say, I need the ball more. I need more shots. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, 
So Hunter, I, I am, I'm, I'm still learning a lot about NIL and, you know, I'm, I'm glad it's here because that's the reason you're still playing at Michigan. Um, you know, financially, does, does it make sense for you to be a college athlete when you could be a pro? And I'm just curious about like the whole finance issue. Are, are you learning finance? Um, how is this whole process going for you? Can, can you enlighten us? Yeah, the NIL process has been, I mean, it's changed so much, I feel like, since my freshman year. Um, you know, obviously my freshman year, we didn't have anything. And then sophomore year, everybody was going, trying to figure out, like, what they can do. And it was essentially, you can do whatever you want. Um, and then junior year, I feel like people have a lot more kind of feel for what's going on, but it's still kind of like you can do whatever you want to do. Um, for me, it's it's been pretty fun. Like I've been able to do stuff um, and just kind of live a little bit like freer than I guess, um, you know, a lot of college athletes used to do. Um, I know like people are always hitting me up like older teammates and stuff like that. Tell me how good I got it with NIL because, you know, they were talking about how, you know, they like, they wish they could come back and play under NIL and, you know, how much better their college experience would have been uh, for me. I would say like Michigan is, they're trying to, I guess, get caught up with it because they're realizing like how, like, recruit, especially recruiting is like, if you don't like, it, it's just impossible to get like a five star guy if you don't have like your NIL set up. Like, you just look at the Nicholas Harbor kid who had um, Michigan in his top like four. Like, I'm like I don't know him too well, but like. I know it was definitely a factor in his decision. You can tell just the way, like, I mean, South Carolina, like I haven't really heard much about them in football or track, but I mean, you know, they got a five-star kid who's really good at both. I think NIL is really just for recruiting. And then it is crazy how, like, I was talking about it on my podcast, actually, how coaches have to really like re-recruit their kids because of NIL, like each year, like (laughs) in the transfer portal, because coaches can kind of like, tamper and be like yo like you know we can we can get you this deal over here like what are you getting over there um but i i think you know the nil collective and the mden and you know valent and stuff like that have done a really good job of trying to close that gap themselves you know going out their way and and you're really trying to help out the university of michigan who's been a little bit slower with nil so i really you know give a shout out to valiant um and the mden for really trying to pull their weight and do you know as much as they can to kind of help the athletes at Michigan. Yeah, Hunter, I know it's still early to, to figure out what you're going to do next year, but do you feel like it can be lucrative enough that you could be a, you know, a pro or be a Michigan athlete and it's comparable? And and also the big question, are you having fun where you're at? Or, you know, do you feel like you're kind of excited for the next stage of, of your career, wherever that is, whenever it is? Yeah, it is really tough because it's like, I mean, that's why, you know, each year is a tough decision because, you know, I really do love the University of Michigan. Like, there's a reason why, you know, alums always come back to it. Like, there's always so many alums coming in and out of Michigan because they really do miss, you know, the experience here. And then, of course, you know, the basketball side, having Jawan, like, it is a super fun experience for me. Um, I know for me, like, my draft stock really kind of depends on, you know, my team's success and, you know, how far my team goes and stuff like that. So, I've never really been able to make a decision like, 
before the end of the season because, you know, I just have been waiting on, you know, to see how my team does and how I perform, you know, later on in the season because that's really when, you know, your draft stock can raise the highest. Um, you know, sometimes I do think of, you know, the future and stuff like that, but I think as I matured, I've done a really good job of trying to stay in the moment and just be the best I can be now here at Michigan and try to improve the most I can now for my team and just try to be the best player because I know that will that'll help me more in the long run than trying to, you know, think about what I can do to kind of be better for that. Um, so just trying to stay in the moment, live in the moment, and be the best version of me uh, for the Michigan Wolverines. So I'm curious. Great, great answer. Yeah, I'm curious, Hunt, was, is that thought process that you just described, is that something that, has evolved over the course of this season, or did you enter the season like that? I'm kind of comparing. I remember talking to you heading into your sophomore year, and you were like one last ride kind of thing. It was like very clear that heading into your sophomore year, you were thinking that was going to be your last year. Did you enter this year kind of more uncertain about what what the future was going to hold, or did you go in go into the season the same way, and then your thought press kind of evolved as the season unfolded? I'd say I came in with a new thought process my junior year. Um, I came in with the mindset of just trying to get better now, trying to trying to get better each and every day now at what, you know, the coaching staff is asking of me and not, like, being like, oh, I got to get better so the NBA scouts can see this. I'm just trying to get better at what, you know, Coach Howard is teaching me for, you know, the offensive game plan and the defensive game plan. And so – um, I think my mindset's definitely matured and changed um, over the years, definitely from my freshman year. And so um, I'm, I feel like I have a more mature mindset. So did you did you take notice, though? I know you're still like you're in the moment focused on the here and now, but you look over at the football guys and you see a Blake Corum come back and all those all those guys who who could have made the jump deciding to come back. Did you notice that? Have you talked to them all about their process or this this one more year fund that that Valiant put together? Did you take notice of, of any or all of that? Yeah, no, I definitely saw the one more year fun. I, th- I thought it was pretty a, a pretty funny uh, project, a pretty funny idea <laughs> just to have the one more year fun. Um, I definitely took notice of that, guys, like Blake, um, Keegan, and all of them guys staying. I think it's really good uh, for college athletics because it just goes to show you, you know, the benefits and the pros of NIL. Um, everybody always wants to speak of the negatives, but that's definitely a pro of NIL. You get you know, guys who are really good players who, you know, still love the University of Michigan. They you give them an avenue to kind of come back and, you know, still enjoy you know the college years. And I guess college uh, fans get to enjoy their um, abilities as well. So I think it's a great thing uh, for Michigan and college athletics in general. I know they'll have a really good team and be favorites to win it all. I haven't really talked to those guys specifically um, about it, but I definitely um, see it and kind of. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely seeing what, um, you know, the University of Michigan and guys um, and companies like Valiant are, are trying to do to, you know, retain, uh, you know, the, the, the talent around here. Yeah, I, I'd like to see a, a two-year plan. <laughs> you, you could be around for five years. Um, Hunter, I, I, I don't get a chance. We don't get a chance to see the young guys a lot talking about uh, Yo-Yo and Isaiah Barnes and Greg Glenn. Uh, we see J- Jace and Will Cheddar a little bit. I want you to put on your scouting hat. Uh, who do you think is going to have the biggest impact 
on Michigan basketball in the future from what you've seen of those guys? Oh, man, that's tough. Um, that is uh, that's tough. I mean, the three, the three that you mentioned, I feel like each one of them has, has the ability and potential to do really good things. I mean, Greg, I know you guys haven't seen a lot of Greg, but the stuff he's doing in practice, he's showing off, you know, the capability of being a really special player um, in the future, just giving it time, being patient, uh, staying ready. Yo-Yo, I think, you know, once he gets – he's still getting accustomed to, you know, the American game. And I think, you know, he's done a really good job of growing so much from when he got here um, just as, like, a player and, you know, off the court. I think he's really assimilated into, you know, the team and stuff like that. So I feel like he's got a really bright future. Um, you know, people thought just because he played pro professionally that, you know, he was going to come in as a bona fide star and ready to go from the jump. And that's just – I think that's, you know – you really can't expect that. Like you see five-star freshmen come in and still have trouble adjusting on the game. So just taking him a little bit longer and that's fine. Um, love the way he's grown. Isaiah Barnes. I mean, you know, he's got, I think um, it was versus Minnesota. You saw the play of him get that uh, offensive rebound, put back dunk on. That just goes to show you, you know, the, the capabilities that kid has. I mean, he's the most athletic kid on the team. Um, he can really shoot it. I think it's just a matter of him putting it all together. Um, so I think those three guys have a really bright future as long as they just continue to, I guess, you know, continue the grind and not try to look too far ahead. Uh, like we were talking about earlier, just staying in, in the moment and trying to get better each and every day. Um, but I'm really, really excited to see the future of those three, um, to see how they develop over the years. I um, I've enjoyed watching you and, and Juwan practice against each other how he works with you in the low post um so he's 50 now he's got that old man strength have you guys ever just gone at it where where he tries to check you or you check him uh how, could he cover you <laughs> no 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 there's no way he could cover me now but no we um back in where we at charlotte he uh he actually had to be the five man i don't know why i don't know why he was but he was actually the scout team five men for a couple of plays. Of course, it was half court. It wasn't full court, but <laughs> yeah, he, was, he, was, he was really he was really trying to go at it, and it was really fun to see him do that. Um, but now that he's that was back when he was forty nine. Now that he's fifty, I don't know he's capable of that anymore. Well, one thing he's capable of doing, you definitely hear. I said this to him after the uh, after the Ohio State game. You know, we always see and hear hear Juwan, you know, calling out sets, or it's certainly calling out things on the defensive end of the floor. It really feels like, Hunter, as we've seen the season evolve, you guys are talking a lot more on defense, uh, whether it's calling out switches or, you know, definitely when there's a mistake, kind of highlighting that to a teammate, not blaming, but but correcting. Is that something that's been an emphasis in practice, or was that just something that you guys as players kind of know, guys, we got we to gotta talk more because it seems like all oh, you, you certainly, but it seems like the whole team, is talking a lot more on defense. Yeah, no, I would say that's been, I mean, that's been a highlight essentially every practice. I mean, I think guys just got tired of coaches asking us to talk. Um, I mean, it's still not perfect, but I think the improvements that we've made from the first day to now are exponential. Um, you know, they got, I, I definitely got tired of the coaches telling us to talk <laughs> all the time. I think that's why I've gotten out of my comfort zone. Um, I know guys like Joey, Jace, um, even T. Wells, you know, spoken up more than usual. 
And so, yeah, no, it's, it's definitely not perfect. It's not, you know, I would say Jawan still has his moments of getting honest for not communicating enough, but I think it's definitely gotten a lot better and it's definitely improved and helped us um, on the court for sure. Just because, you know, Big Ten teams are so diverse and so multifaceted on offense that you have to talk or else, you know, you're going to get lost really quick um, with these offensive schemes. And so I think that's why, you know, our defensive numbers have been a little bit better. Um, not counting Nebraska because we had we were able to score 93 points. So I think, you know, the defense was able to take a little bit of a hit. But and in the other games, I think like the Ohio State game and the Northwestern game, those were two examples of us really um, digging our heels in and, and getting stops on defense. Yeah, that definitely – again, you see some progress there, but it can be frustrating whether it's all the double teams you see or – taking some 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 of those close L's that you guys took earlier in the season or losing on the road at Penn State. Has there been a moment where you guys as players have had to come to the side your, yourselves or you as a leader has had to really pull them aside because you have, you know, it's very easy to let one game beat you twice. And yet oh, you guys have been able to kind of come out of that a little bit. What's been behind that? It's been the players kind of doing, I mean, the coaches kind of doing it. Have you guys as players kind of done that yourselves? Yeah, I mean, like you said, there's there's been, definitely been some times where some games have hurt like a little bit more than just one loss. Like I remember after the Kentucky game, it was just it was super hard because that was our second game in in three, I think. Uh, it might have been like two in a row of losing just so closely and just knowing that we gave up the game and we, we had the game if we would just made a couple of different plays. Uh, but I think. You know the captains have done a really good job. Me, Terrence, and two. Me, Terrence, and Jace of doing a really good job of pulling the guys in. I think Jace has done the best job of, you know, making sure the team meets and kind of talks about what we're going to do before the game. Um, yeah, it's been it's something that, you know, you take for granted sometimes of, assuming guys know you know what this game means and and what the game plan is and stuff like that and just bringing guys together and really reinforcing what we need to do, what this game means for our season, uh, what the other team is trying to do out there. And so um, we've done a really good job of, you know, gathering in, like you said, bringing everybody together and kind of and reinforcing what needs to happen on the court uh, in order for us to be successful out there. Hunter, in three years of college, who's the best player that you played against? And and do you have a story or what, what made them so good? Um. You're talking big man, of course, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think probably the, the Iowa-Luka Garza matchup was probably the best player I've played against just because, obviously, I mean, his skill is, I mean, let alone. But the way that, you know, the offense was set up, it was it was, a, it was essentially post-up, duck-in, some sort of variation of that or pick-and-pop, um, you know, every play. And the way they were able to find him and, like, you could tell Iowa really practices like their post entry passes and stuff like that because they were throwing all kinds of different passes. And the most challenging thing for me wasn't when we had, when he had the ball, it was trying to prevent him from getting the ball, like doing your work early and stuff like that. And it was really, if you made any type of mistake, he was catching the ball on the block. And so for me, I just remember how tired I was that game. I was exhausted. <laughs> Like if if you're really tired, you'll you'll ask Jawan to come out the game. And I remember I was, I looked like I was about to do it. I looked up at the score, the the time on the clock, and it was only like 
1822. And I thought to myself, there's no way I could call for a sub already. So I had, I had to grind that one out for a couple more minutes and get to the 16 minute mark. Um, but I was, I was exhausted after that game. Uh, he really made me work. And I knew if, you know, I had any type of slip up, he was going to catch the ball. And, you know, if he catches the ball on the block, you're really, you're really um, kind of playing with fire, hoping that he misses. And so for me, just trying to do my work early as much as I could and, I just remember how exhausted I was after that game of, you know, guarding him in the post for however long I was out there. So I'm expecting the game of the year against Indiana. I expect Michigan to win. What's the scouting report? What what can we look for from you? And I, I'd love to hear something about the Trace Jackson Davis matchup. Um, I know with Xavier Johnson out, uh, Jalen Hutchifino is their point guard now, and, and you know their primary ball handler. So. We're going to try to, you know, give him a couple looks um, in the pick and roll and stuff like that, just trying to change all that up um, and give him a couple of different looks, you know, as a freshman, hoping that, you know, we can kind of, uh, I guess, fluster him a little bit. Um, Joe uh, Galloway has been shooting a lot better than um, recent years, and so that's a, that's something that, you know, we have to take into account. Obviously, Miller Cops a shooter. Um, I would say our biggest thing right now is, you know, Trace Jackson Davis, obviously – um, I never want a double team, and so we're going to play him straight up. And just, uh, you know, I believe in my abilities on defense. Um, you know, if you look at it defensively in the post, I feel like other than Zach Eady, I feel like there's not a big man that's given me much trouble this year. Um, and so I would, I mean, other than that, uh, we're going to really go through a lot today in practice. I think yesterday we didn't really do as much. It was kind of just a, you know, introduce them a little bit, you know, give us a couple of looks on their sets and, and, and how we want to guard a couple of them. I think today we're really going to dive in on how we're guarding stuff. Um, we know that there's a high possibility that they're going to double team. And so we've been, uh, um, we've been, we practiced that a little bit yesterday. Um, we know they can come from, you know, either the pass or from the elbow. And so just um, scout team did a good, really good job yesterday of giving me, you know, a couple of different looks and trying to see, you know, possible outlets that I have. But I think today will be a really good day of prep. And like you said, I mean, this is a really big game for us. Um, you know, with a win, we're, we're, we're kind of putting ourselves in that, in that bubble contention and really starting to make some noise. And I, I think at this time of the season, momentum is, <laughs> is probably the biggest thing you can have on your side. And so right now we have three straight wins. Uh, so I think that's the most this year maybe. Is three consecutive ones, and so <laughs> uh, that's pretty crazy. But I mean, I'm glad that's happening now. Um, it's it's the perfect time for it to happen, you know. With the momentum, hopefully, we can keep ca- carrying it on because it can be a really dangerous thing having momentum on your side. Um, you know, shots start falling for guys that, you know, the confidence is all, is all you needed uh, for them to hit a couple shots, see the ball go through. I mean, I think you saw that with Joey Baker um, the last two games. Uh, even with Northwestern, he had a four-point play, and so he's really come alive for us, and that's been a really big thing because, you know, coming off the bench, we need that score and that shooting that he's bringing us. Um, he's been really impactful. Kobe's, you know, you know, doing his best Russell Westbrook impression of, you know, doing everything on the floor, making shots, rebounding, facilitating. Uh, we know we ask a lot from him uh, because of, you know, him having to play the two, the one, even the three sometimes, and so... He's doing it all for us. Um, you know, Doug's been really steady. 
Jet been doing Jet things. Terrence has been way more aggressive. Uh, T. Reed, Will, Jace, all those guys have really stepped up, and I think you know we're we're firing on a lot of good c- cylinders right now and uh, making us a really dangerous team. All right, my my last one for you, Hunter, is a two parter, and actually comes from some some listener questions that they sent in, knowing that we were going to have you on. You talked about your improvement as a as a passer, you know, kind of passing out of the double team. You already told us about your your improvement as a leader. What would what would be the other aspect of your game where you think you've really improved? And then, you know, what kind of do you want to improve upon here down the stretch? And then the last part of that is legacy. How much does, you know, legacy kind of play into your thought process? I mean, you could become Michigan's all-time leading scorer if you were to come back kind of thing. Is Does legacy play a, a role in your mind as you look at your, your Michigan career at all? Uh, the first thing I always say is, you know, get, um, Glenn Rice did kind of, you know, make it really hard to achieve. He did. Uh, he kind of, uh, I, I look at that scoring record. And I say, man, I, I, I don't know how he did that. I don't know how he did that. And it was three years, right? Only three years. He, I think he played his freshman year. I think he played his freshman year. Oh, okay. So, yeah. okay. But even, even four is it's pretty remarkable for doing that. Um, I did hear he, he got up a lot, a lot of shots. He got up a lot of that. shots. Yeah, <laughs> from 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 guys. I heard that he was getting them up for sure. Um, the first question was how I improved. Yeah, I think defensively, um, I've gotten a lot better. I don't think, you know, the Twitter trolls out there really give me enough credit for how what I do defensively, especially in the pick and roll. Um, I mean, guys will see us doing a pick and roll coverage, and you know, the big man gets a basket and instantly blame it on me, but not really see, you know. What what happens with the other four guys? I think defensively, I've done a really good job of improving and really in ball screen coverage, but also just you know one on one taking that one on one challenge from either the big man or you know switching out. I think I've done a lot more switching out. I think the coaching staff has a lot more faith in me switching out on different guys now. Um, so defensively, I think I've made some more strides. Offensively, um, I feel like. I feel like Michigan fans don't really appreciate, you know, me maintaining my – like I think they see me averaging the same amount of points um, this year as last year and thinking that, you know, I've kind of leveled up. But I don't think they realize how much harder it's been to score um, those 18 points a game. Um, I think – I don't think anybody in the country gets double teamed as much as me, and that's including Zach Eady. Um I feel like – uh, I do get double teamed the most out of anybody, and the fact that I'm able to still be really efficient and score, um, and still get mine, uh, as well as you know facilitate to my teammates and stuff like that, I think is really impressive. And I try not to pat myself too much on the back, but I feel like that's something that you know I impress myself with sometimes. But um, in terms of legacy, yeah, no, that's definitely something that um, I thought of. I'm pretty sure I've said it uh, to you guys probably last year. Um, you know, I look up at those at those jerseys all the time. You know, Hubbard, uh, Rice, Tom Donovich, um, Bill Bunton. Yeah, I was about to say Bill Bunton's the the one I always forget somehow. Um, Cassie Russell, and so I see those guys as jerseys, and you know, definitely, definitely, um, you know, imagine a Dickinson number one up there. Um, that's definitely something that I've been striving to achieve, and you know, I don't think I don't think it's it's crazy to say. Like I don't think it's like, like me just 
but obviously there's still more work to do um, in terms of, you know, getting that up there. And that's something that I'm working for um, each and every day. I um I can see it happening. And to have you say that puts a big smile on my face. Uh, Glenn Rice averaged 18 points a game for four years. And and so you really, totally really? Face. I thought yeah. he averaged like 23 one year. Uh, he that did, might have been his last year. Freshman, freshman oh, oh cumulative. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, my final question, I, I see you as an NBA player someday. I really do. Um, and I'm sure that you studied the league. Uh, who are the players you watch or the teams? Wh- what do you take away when you watch NBA games? Um, I mean, yeah, I, I would say I don't watch the NBA as much um, just because I feel like, you know, I'm trying to watch college and, and, and see, you know, especially like Big Ten and trying to watch as much of my opponents as possible. But when I do, it's usually an Embiid or a Jokic game, usually watching those guys because I feel like, I feel like I've taken a lot from Jokic just this year um, of watching him and seeing how he scores because, um, you know, the way he facilitates it and stuff like that, but just seeing how he picks his spots and, and scores in that way. I think I've taken a lot from his game just this year alone. Um, and Bead seeing how, you know, he draws contact and stuff like that. But one guy um, I, I I watched um, up and close and personal was Brooke Lopez. I saw him and really, really thought to myself, I feel like everything he does out there on the floor is, is what I can do. I feel like I can bring everything he brings to a team. And I feel like that's probably my best comparison right now is, is Brooke Lopez. I feel like there's not anything he does that I can't do out there. Like it, yeah, man, love it, huh? We appreciate you taking the time, uh, man. Appreciate what you do on the floor. Yeah, hey, man, it might Michigan fans might not always appreciate you, but we <laughs> we sure as hell do, man. So thanks a lot for joining us again. No, I appreciate you guys staying patient with me today. All right, thanks, thanks Hunter. Thanks, Hunter. Wow, Tim, that I always say wow when we're done talking to Hunter. Uh, just always a great conversation. Our most frequent guest. That's maybe the fourth or fifth time that he's been on with us. And uh, it was clear that heading into the year that it was not the same as, you know, coming in his sophomore year where he was already talking about going to the league, you know, one last ride and that kind of thing. This is kind of a little more up in the air. So I think what you were talking about with the, with the odds and kind of looking at some of the other factors, I think that's what he's going to do at year's end. Yeah, I am. Um... I, I love talking to Hunter. I think he's great. I, I think he's a wonderful person, and he's a great advocate for the University of Michigan. And he, he gets smarter every time we see him. The world experiences of carrying a college basketball team, the pressures, the the, the stress and the drama and the anxiety of college basketball. Um, I, I just um, I, I think he is having a fabulous career, and I love hear him talk about the rafters and and maybe yeah. having his number retired someday. I think he's on pace for that if that's what he wants. Yeah, that's the, that's that legacy thing that I was talking about. And clearly he's thinking about his son, but I, I got to point you out, Tim, you, because I mean, I mean, if people pay attention, you, you got, you cracked the code. <laughs> A lot of this college basketball thing, especially when we're talking about Michigan, how you were saying, Hey Sam, he's got to, he's got to make quicker decisions when, when facing the double team couple of episodes after that you said man he's frustrated sam hunter is really really frustrated out there you could tell that all this double teaming is getting to him and guys are knocking down shots and i'll be damned if that's exactly 
what he just said, and you called that out. So I got to highlight that, yeah, you were picking that out even before he was talking about it. He hadn't said that in the press conference, but he certainly said it here to confirm uh, everything that you've been saying to us here on the podcast. He's getting better in a hurry. And and part of that is sometimes it's not just always scoring points. It's dealing with whatever the defense gives you. And and that's that's the 1% better that he's getting every day is reading defenses, making crisp passes, making those passes right on target. Those are all big parts of basketball. Great stuff. Well, Tim, another great episode. I hopefully uh, I hope that when we come back next week, you're just as happy <laughs> as you were to start this, right? That'd be great. I will so. be. I, this is going to be a good. It's going to be a good day Saturday. Yeah. So, folks, if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it. Be sure to review it. Be sure to tell all your friends about it. They can find it wherever they get their podcast. That's Google, that's Stitcher, that's Spotify, that's iTunes, you name it. Of course, if you watch this podcast, you can continue to help it go and grow by liking the video, by subscribing to the channel. That helps us with all of our our metrics and the algorithm and all of that. Also, uh, sort of helps us, helps you get the uh, notification every time a new episode comes up. Then, of course, if you want to keep track, of everything as it happens, the inside intel in the dirt. The MichiganInsider.com is where you can be, you should be. $1 gets you in your first month. Once you become a full-paying member, you also get access to Paramount Plus, the cost of your subscription, Paramount Plus Outstanding. If you haven't watched 1923, the prequel to Yellowstone, you're missing out. They got that show, the offer, that details, the series, or the making of The Godfather, a lot of great content over on Paramount Plus. So be sure to check out your subscription to the MichiganInsider.com. Until next time, thanks for listening to another edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider.